This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today. Thanks for joining us here. We are an Odyssey original podcast. We appreciate you being with us. Raider Nation, it's been a tough few days. You've had a few more days, day and a half, to digest what was an epic collapse for the Raiders. Their their biggest loss as far as losing a 20-point lead in franchise history. We're going to revisit it this last time. We do this on our Tuesday shows where we kind of go back after watching the film and do that. And, of course, always... With me here on the show is my co-host and my partner, and that is Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer for Bleacher Report. He also writes Raiders content and a column for SportsNot.com. You can follow him at Mo Moten. You can see it there on the screen, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. All right, Mo, we didn't uh, have you, obviously, on the postgame show where a lot of fans in the chat, a lot of listeners since then a lot of DMs, a lot of public tweets, a lot of messages to the email box. People are not happy. This was not only a tough one to swallow for a Raider fan as far as the loss goes, but the way in which this team lost, the way in which this team was Jekyll and Hyde in week two is just really hard for everybody. And I think everyone's still trying to make sense of it. Mo, help us make sense of it. What did you see you were working all Sunday, so you watched the game late Sunday into into Monday as we speak to you on Tuesday. What did you see and what was your initial reaction after watching it? An article, a column on Sports Not Today. So there, there's a lot here, but just to sum it up so that I'm not up here talking for an hour. <laughs> I think it really <laughs> I think it really started. One thing that jumped out, the first thing that jumped out to me was Chandler Jones is not playing up to his salary. Now, the Raiders signed to a three-year, $51 million contract, $32 million in guarantees. 
I haven't seen uh, – he had a couple of plays here and there in both games, but I haven't seen nearly enough from him. And the Raiders need more than one pass rusher if they're going to go up against mobile quarterbacks or quarterbacks who can run with the football as Kyler Murray can. So as the league is changing, as the quarterback position is evolving and more quarterbacks are coming to the league and they're able to move with the football, the Raiders have to adjust their defense to the evolution of that position. Because if you don't have guys to at least spy on the quarterback – and you're going to have problems all season. There are three within the AFC West right now, and Herbert, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes who can all move. And those guys can extend plays. They may not run with the football for 20, 30 yards or run all over the backyard like Kyler Murray, but they can extend plays. And if you can't pressure them or at least spy, you're going to have an issue. Another thing that popped up to me was this team looked kind of like the John Gruden team in recent years. Penalties. Missed opportunities in the red zone. They had to set up for two field goals inside the Cardinals' 15-yard line that came back to bite them, and it showed in the score. Now, they now they had to go into overtime, but can you imagine if they converted at least one of those red zone trips into a touchdown? Probably wouldn't have to go into overtime. The other thing that stood out to me was last week, uh, there were a lot of complaints about Derek Carr relying too much on Devontae Adams. This time, it wasn't enough Devontae Adams. I don't know if it's overcorrection <laughs> or just the way the game flow was, but to give Devontae, to have to target Devontae Adams once between the third and the fourth quarter to me is just as unacceptable as t- targeting him 20 to 25 times and forgetting Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. You pay this guy on a five year, $140 million extension, and you give him one target as you're struggling to find an offense and the team that you're playing is battling back. That's inexcusable. Yeah, it was crazy. And and again, some of it I think was the 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 focus of the Arizona defense. Remember, the Arizona the much maligned Arizona defense. That's not listen, any NFL defense has talent, but this is not a unit. We talked about it last week with our guest, right? This was not a unit that's gonna scare anybody. This was the opportunity for the Raiders to go out and play a weaker defense, get healthy. Now, you talk about that, Mo, and we're going to talk about Derek Carr in the last segment of the show. We're talking now about the game in general. We're going to talk about McDaniels in the second segment. So so stick with us on that, and we'll get to that later. But when you think about that and you talk about not targeting Adams, um, you, you heard last week, point of emphasis for Derek Carr coming out of the Chargers' loss. I was over-aggressive. I need to settle down a little bit. So then he goes the exact opposite and becomes very, very reserved and consistent, or excuse me, conservative, as does the coach in the second half. When you look at those two halves of football, were you of same mind with me where you just saw two separate teams? It looked like literally invasion of the body snatchers. Somebody came and took that offense away and put other people in the shells of these players. It was so inexplicably clear that the philosophy just changed. And this goes back to my point where I felt like I was watching John Gruden's team again, because remember that was a criticism under John Gruden that if he gets a lead, he's going to get too conservative, take his foot off the gas pedal and let the other team back in the game. And that's kind of what you saw with the Raiders on Sunday. And I think part of now, part of that is I think the game plan for the Cardinals was to not let the Raiders beat them deep. So you saw a lot of mm-hmm, too high mm-hmm. safety. So they had uh, Jalen Thompson. They had Buda Baker back there at times. Maybe uh, Isaiah Simmons didn't play as much as I guess a lot of people thought. They kind of took him off the field early. But they did have two high safeties, and they allowed the Raiders – not allowed, but they just said, okay, we're going to rush minimally, but we're going to drop in the coverage and make sure Waller and Adams 
and Hunter Renfro have bodies around him so that if Derek Carr, even if Derek Carr has time in the pocket, he's going to face some muddled areas where he's not going to maybe want to pull the trigger because there are one or two defenders around him. So the Raiders took what their defense was given them, which is a lot mm-hmm. of underneath stuff. Now, by the way, Josh McDaniels is known for the short intermediate pass. So that's his thing. That's in his wheelhouse. So I guess they were comfortable with that game plan. My problem in the second half was you're up 20 to zero. The clock is on your side. The clock is against the Cardinals because they have to play catch up. And Josh Jacobs ran the ball relatively well in the first half. Run the ball, bleed the clock, bleed the clock a little bit. You don't have to go completely ultra conservative. But if Josh Jacobs is getting three or four yards per pop on his runs, you can bleed the clock and still move the ball a bit. And I felt like they went away from the run game, went too pass heavy. And there was one drive that a lot of fans are talking about on Twitter that talking to me about on Twitter as well is that one drive at the beginning of the fourth quarter where the Raiders go pass, 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 all three incomplete, and the drive lasted 24 seconds to give the ball back to the Cardinals. To me, that was the turning point of the game. And I think Adam Archuleta, who's a broadcaster, also pointed that out. Well, and, and you saw yesterday, I don't know how many people watched the highlights uh, from the league overall, but you saw what the Patriots did, right? You saw the Patriots use the clock to win the game, and Bill Belichick talked about it after the game. And so you think Josh McDaniels would have learned that because Belichick has been a master of that. You build a lead, then you you milk the clock, you take away the time the other team has to score points, especially when you build a double-digit lead. That doesn't mean you're always overly conservative. What it means, though, is when you have the ball, you make sure you have long, sustained drives. That's how the Patriots literally won over those years. They didn't. Tom Brady was not some big ball thrower down the field for bombs. Small, short, intermediary passes with runs with runs or even swing passes out from the backfield. All stuff that was short that got them three, five, seven yards so that you could get first downs and move the sticks and keep that clock run and stay in bounds. It, it, it's shocking to me how poorly the game was managed in the second half from the coaching staff, uh, including on that final drive. You get down into field goal range and yes they have the little line right that's the safe field goal range they put it you're two yards from that on on two straight downs you're in the shotgun throwing the ball I just don't understand if you have that running back room why you don't go to it no one asked the coach this question by the way Um, I would have if I could have and I'm not that's not just internet bravado that is a true fact no one asked him about the sequence at the end of the game I can't figure it out Mo I can't figure it out other than sometimes you have a brilliant offensive mind or a brilliant defensive mind. They try <laughs> to outsmart the room. And I think sometimes you just have to go with the obvious plan of approach. And sometimes right. coaches may get too smart for their too, too smart for their opponents and try to outsmart the room. And, and this is what you get. But I think that the Raiders squandered an opportunity to, feed Jacobs, get their run game going, balance the offense, and bleed the clock all at the same time while giving the Carlos the least amount of time as possible, and you saw what happened. The other the other narrative that I'm seeing, and I want to get your comment on this too, having watched the game again, and that is the defense. I've, I see a lot of people focusing on the defense. I saw some of the beat writers focus on the defense 
Um, and with all due respect to them, I think they're completely wrong. Because listen, was there problems on defense? Absolutely. That defense is not a perfect defense. Okay, we understand that. We understand they need to get better, especially in pass coverage. Actually, even though there were some good performances, like I talked about on Sunday night, Meek Robertson uh, really, I thought, played a, a good, solid game. He's 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 coming along, which is nice to see. But that defense was on the field for 51 plays in the second half. The Raiders had just 18 plays on offense. How is that the defense's fault, Mo? When you get down to the game and you talked about not getting the production you need out of Chandler Jones, absolutely correct. You have to have a pass rush. Oh, and by the way, something we've talked about for two years, still no rush up the middle. Okay, they're not getting any pressure up the middle, which we knew was going to be a problem. But... That defense, how can you expect that defense? And they actually held up pretty well up until that last quarter, considering how much they were on the field. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think they pointed it out during the broadcast. 51 plays on the field. So the defense is gassed, chasing after Kyler Murray, who's running all over <laughs> yeah. Allegiant Stadium's yard. Can you imagine that being on the field that long and having to chase around Kyler Murray? But you're absolutely right. And this goes back to my point of, why you run the ball because when you run the ball you get the clock moving you take your time and when you throw the ball and you don't complete the pass you stop the clock and then the drive is short your defense is back on the field so you know it, it goes hand in hand to me and i think part of a lot of people want to blame Carr for that and of course Carr wasn't deadly accurate on sunday i won't say that was his best game but I thought he played well enough where the off where Josh McDaniels can play off of him and have the run game incorporated in the game plan so that you, again, you can have a balanced attack enough to keep your defense off the field. Yeah. And I know we're going to talk about Carr in the final segment, but did he play horribly? No, but the second half play calling. Yes. Quarterback. Yes. Both. I think, and we'll get to that later. Mo, before we uh, head out for our first break here in a few minutes, uh, I want to get your, your take on this. Clearly Sunday night, people fans, because they're, they're so devote devoted to this team and so passionate, they were really beside themselves. They were upset. I have never seen, I saw, I had more people come on the live chat and hit us up on the show saying that they were done with Derek Carr. Okay. That they were done, you know, fire Josh McDaniels. You're not going to fire a coach after two weeks, folks. Let's just get that straight. Um, and <laughs> they were really upset. When you look at this team 0-2, and I keep throwing the stat out there and people keep getting mad at me, but since the the the, N- the NFL went to 14-team playoff format, no 0-2 team has made the playoffs. It hasn't happened. The Raiders sit at 0-2. Um, how deep should this concern be with these eight quarters of football that you've seen from this Raiders team with the money they spent with the upgrades seemingly at coaching and in the front office. Uh, and then of course the addition on defense of a big player who yes, might not be exactly a spring chicken, but there's more expected of him. 
I think there's a legitimate concern there because you're not expecting to start 0-2 with the roster that you put together because you have bigger aspirations than just simply making the playoffs. This team made the playoffs last year. Uh, the reason you make the moves that you make this year is to go further into the playoffs. So, yes, there there is legitimate concern there. And I and I saw your stat. And there are other stats out there I put on the sports.com that I dropped today that since 1990, I know this is going back to when there were only six playoff teams per conference. But since 1990, I believe 11.3% teams that started 0-2 made the playoffs. And I, what I will say to counteract that, to, to combat that, is to say last year, I would say eight months ago, and I tweeted this on Monday, eight months ago, I went through Raiders playoff scenarios when the Raiders were 6-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. I believe um, they had a 4.4% chance of making the playoffs. And a lot of people told me, Oh, you're wasting your time, Mo, writing these playoff scenario articles. <laughs> Raiders aren't going to the playoffs. They they have one wide receiver. They have an interim head coach. They're not making the playoffs. Why are you writing these columns? And what happened? They so the w- they made the playoffs. So what I will say is, yes, it's it's logical to be concerned, reasonable concern starting off 0-2, but there are 15 games left in the season. That's a lot of time. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things can happen. There are injuries. This happens. There's the trade deadline. All sorts of things can happen. So I wouldn't I wouldn't buy too much into the percentage numbers because eventually you're gonna have a team that starts 0-2 make the playoffs. And I and in my sports now article, I point out that the Houston Texans started off 0-3 and they won their division. Yep. And this wasn't a bad AFC South division. This is a division where the Colts went ten and seven, and I believe the Titans went nine and nine and seven. The, the Colts went ten and six and the Titans went nine and seven. So this wasn't a bad AFC South division where they only had one team over 500. This is a Texas team that started off 0-3, finished 11-5, and won a pretty good division. So I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. There you go. Mo got you all cheered up. Look at that. We got, we got That's him. That's what I'm here at, for. He's, he's, he's looking with the glass half full. All right, we're going to take our break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about Josh McDaniels. We're going to talk about the coach. A lot of you heated. A lot of you, after two games, want the guy fired, which I think is a little bit of an overreaction, maybe. Uh, And we're going to talk about uh, what he did, what we saw during the game from a play-calling perspective and also from a communications perspective. Is there some issues? We heard some comments from the locker room that kind of raised my eyebrows, so we'll talk about that here. You're with Mo Moten and Scott Branson. This is Silver and Black Today. Don't go anywhere. 